Okay, good morning. So there's many, there's many firsts, many firsts in the Torah, many firsts, and this parsha we have one of the firsts, which is the first time that someone of the Jewish uh, people made a purchase in the land of Israel. It actually says in the Medrash, in the Gemara, that there are three places that the world, or the Goyim, can't have um, any, can't protest or can't have any complaint to us about our ownership of, of uh, the land of Israel. One of the places are Chavrin, the Mara Samach Pela, where, where the Berkaz Avram actually purchased it. It was a real purchase. It wasn't just a claim, oh Hashem, we say in the first Rashi and Torah, Rashi writes that why does the Torah start with God creating the world and not with the mitzvahs? Because it's, uh, the, Hashem's trying to give us the message that we should have what to tell the world when they complain and say that Israel doesn't belong to us. We tell them God created the world. Well, I would and say he, that it was yours. And He chose you to give it to. So God uh, granted other people to be there. And then He decided to take the land that He created and give it to us. He originally decided to give it to us. For temporarily, He let other people be there. He let them occupy it. Um, but that's in general what we say, that God gave it to us. Here we have a piece in the land where it's not just based on the fact that God gave it to us. Avram actually purchased it. He purchased it with money. He bought, clear transaction, of the Ma'aras HaMachpela, of this, this cave where our ancestors are buried. Now there's a huge back and forth. The Torah doesn't discuss just that Avram bought it and he buried Sarah there. It goes through the whole um, dialogue, the whole back and forth between Avram and Ephraim and the family the Neches the family of the people that owned that land and it's a very interesting back and forth um, many details and Mepharshim go and explain the Ramban the Archaim many people go and explain the different uh, details of the back and forth well, one of the things that are discussed um, is where Ephraim originally, where Avram originally wanted to buy the actual cave and um, where they buried. And Ephraim said to him, that you want to buy the cave, I'll give you the whole field. He wanted to say, like, sound nice. Where, and really, he was, uh, he, he was trying to negotiate. He knew Avram was going to pay, and he wanted to get more money. So he said, I'll give you the whole field to make, get more money out of it. But uh, Avram ended up saying, I don't, want to, I don't want you to give me anything. I want to purchase it. I want to take it out of your ownership. Um, and he ended up paying much more than he originally, so to speak, anticipated. And he paid the full price, overpriced, of the entire field, um, a, a complete purchase. You paid over asking. Yeah. <laughs> like real estate here. And the, the Pasuk uses the word Vayokoms de Ephraim. That the field of Ephraim rose, lit, was lifted up. And it's an interesting term to use. And it simply means that the transaction happened and the field left the ownership of Ephraim and went into the ownership of Avram. And Rashi there brings that what the Pasuk is telling us is that the actual field was, had an intrinsic uplifting. That there was, the actual field was, up, was lifted up, was raised, not physically, but I don't know the right word, not spir- spiritually, there's a spiritual, spiritual uplifting to the field. Why? Because it left the hands of a hadyot, of a typical person, and entered the hands of a melech. Of a king. Which, by the way, gives claim to the Arab because Avram is also Ishmael's father. Okay. But uh, Yitzchak inherited it. 
He gave you small different things. Yisrael was the main inheritance. That's what it says in Torah. My is We see that the real estate problem started. Exactly. Started back then. Exactly. You see it right here. Um, so they, the, Rashi points out that it's, the field left the hands of a typical person. Hadiyat means a random guy off the street. And entered the possession of a king. Now we all know that a, a land that belongs to a random guy on the block doesn't get a lot of attention. If you have a celebrity or a, someone that comes and buy, purchases the property, all of a sudden everyone knows about the property. Meaning it becomes, it becomes, it becomes known. And simply, that's, the, that's what happened here. I left the hands of a typical guy, Ephraim, to the hands of Avram. As soon as he became Avram's property, all of a sudden it became known. This is Avram's property. It became, uh, became a famous, uh, um, iconic uh, spot. Um, but obviously there's much deeper uh, to what Rashi is trying to say here. Many Rashi could have used the words that it left the hands of a regular person, a typical person, to the hands of a great person, or the hands of a righteous person. He specifically used the example of a king. That left the hands of a regular person a to the possession of a king. From was a king, but where do we see Tim uh, referred to as a king? But it's not a <laughs> so what specifically is is being uh, hinted to in here, and what lesson can it teach us? So the idea of a king, there's two different types of purchases. There's a purchase of a, a transaction that can happen between two businessmen, two typical people, and then there's the purchase of a king. When you have two people that, per, that do, do a transaction, even once the object or the, fee, or the property is, leaves, moves from one person's ownership to the other person's ownership, if you go into the records, if you go into the, to the public records of the property, you'll find that there was one owner and then it tra- changed owners. Meaning it will always have some connection to the previous owners. Because yes, you're paying, but you're paying, then now it should be under your ownership, but you don't get rid of the history of the property, so to speak. A king, especially the halachic status of a king, the way a king works in, in um, a real king, a king, we know everything belongs to the king, so to speak. Meaning a king has the ability to, uh, it's not like a president. A, real, uh, a king has the ability, I think the Queen of England still officially has such status. I don't know if things yeah, would work. They can take it away from you. Okay. They can take it away. Sure, not to the same extent. But a king could totally. Okay. But if a king were to take away, were to take someone's property, the the property, so to speak, would lose all its previous history, because the history is it's always been the king's. The king has full rights to anything in his empire, in his province. And the moment he takes something, it's his without any history, without any connection to any other um, owner. So right here we see very interestingly, Rashi specifically uses the term king. Because what Avram is trying to accomplish for future generations and for himself, before he buried, buried Sarah there, is that it should have zero connection to any previous owner. Meaning it should completely be in the hands of Avram without any history, without any previous history ownership. He wanted to completely get rid of any previous history of the property. So, and we find that in the story. I mean, we'll go through all the details. But in the purchase, Avram, he, um, he paid full price. The Pesach says um, he, he paid 
Shove a kasef, I forget the exact words. What? Kasef Malay. He, he paid the entire worth of the property, meaning sometimes you could have a symbolic amount of money which just uh, um, symbolizes a transaction. But someone doesn't need the full price and they're just, you need money to, symbol, to, to do the transaction. Or um, sometimes you could pay a, a certain market value. Here Avram, he wanted to pay Kasef Malay. He wanted to pay the entire worth and value of it in a way that to the other, the owner should have no, no strings attached to the property, not to say, oh, I'll give you a discount. I have a part in the purchase. I have a part where I still have some connection to because it was my donation to you, so to speak. He wanted to pay the entire amount that the previous owner should have zero attachment, no strings attached, no connection to it. And this is why Rashi uses the term that it went from the hands of a hadyot to the hands of a melech. Because it literally changed that type of ownership. It went from a typical ownership where those owners attached it, the previous owner or a new owner, to the hands of a king where it all starts and ends from the king. There's no previous connection to it. No one else has a prior connection to it. And that is the type of pur- purchase Avram wanted to make. Now there's many things that, that this uh, can teach us. First of all, very practically, this is our approach to our connection to the land of Israel. There's no previous owner. <laughs> there's no current owner. It's, it's always and forever and always has been ours. God, God gave it to us. He promised it to us by the Bish bin Absalom. What? That's all in Hebron. So we, these three lands, I think the Medrash says this, there's three places the Goyim can't have a protest about. One is Mars and Machpelah, Chavrin. Another one is the, base, the spot of the base of Migdash. And another, there's a th- third. I forgot what the third was. <laughs> no, in Eretz Yisrael. There's three places in Eretz Yisrael that they can't protest. Um, our ownership. But the point is, those places give us the, the ability and the power to, then to, to, to remind us of our rights to the rest of the land of Israel. So first of all, on the topic of the land of Israel, this is very powerful. Telling us that, that we have a connection like a king to our property. There's no one else that can get in the way of our connection. But spiritually, we know that the land of Israel is a place where Hashem is present, so to speak. And spiritually, the land of Israel is every one of our lives. We know that Tzemach Tzedek used this time, where he said, Mach da Eretz Yisrael, that it's our job to create a land of Israel wherever we are. A place where Hashem can, um, can be present in our home, in whatever we come across, any place that we come in contact with. That uh, when, a, when, a, when a Jew, fulfilling the mission of wise in the world, comes into contact in, uh, of ownership of anything, of a car, of a house, even if it may, to you it may seem temporary, if it's a lease or a rental, but the fact that you have some type of ownership over something, you have the ability to to make it a place where God can be present. And in a way where nothing else can get in the way of your ownership. Like leaving the hands of a hadiyot to the hands of a king. And it's, it tells us in our own dealings with the other owner, the other boss that's trying to get in our way, which is the Sahara, the, the, the negative forces in our life that are trying to fight over the ownership. Right? And the famous example the Alter Rebbe gives to our body, our body is like this big uh, um, empire, a province. And there's two um, uh, kingdoms, there's two uh, armies that are, try- that are fighting over the ownership of this piece of land. One side is the Yetzir the Nefshel the positive forces in our life and the negative forces in our life. They're fighting over the ownership of the body. So here the Torah gives us the approach. 
that it's not that when when the godly part of us, the positive forces in our life, are trying to take ownership over ourselves, over our body, over anything we come in contact with. It's not in a way that we have equal rights to the to the property, equal transaction, equal ownership. That there's a history in the ownership. It go it's going from the hands of a typical regular person to the hands of a king. It's leaving the the possession of the yetsahar of the negative forces in a way that he has no prior connection to it. Zero connection to it. And it lifts up the, the property to be raised from the possession and ownership of a typical person to the possession and ownership of a king. Um, so it's a... It is. Yeah. Right. It always was the king's. It never had any other ownership. So that's what it reminds us of. It tells us the power that we have in this, in this ownership fight, so to speak, that we're having with the negative forces in our life, to remember that it's always been ours and forever will be ours. Temporarily, there's someone that's trying to, to claim um, uh, rights. Someone that's, uh, uh, what do they call it, uh, squatting, uh, a squatter. Someone that's trying to, to take possession. But uh, it's always ours and forever will be ours, and the negative forces are just trying to to get their way in. And we have to remember not to let them in. So this is the power we get from Avram in the first purchase in the land of Israel. We all have to purchase our own land. Take ownership. Yeah. Same same concept. Right? When you do Shuvah, Shuvah uplifts the Avram? No, same. It's done, it's not like Yeah, exactly. It takes up everything. all the Avram, okay, changes yeah. it by Avram, yeah. it's the Avram. Right? It's the same thing. 